Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Great Iron Blitz 370. Oscar Lopez going solo today in the house. Uh, we will not have the Hall of Famer or the Salty One or the X League Insider. And we will not have Chelsea Alt. Uh, happy birthday to Chelsea Alt. And, uh, and Gabby Farrell will not be with us today. But we'll be looking forward to the return next week at 371. In the meantime, we have a great show today uh, for the Great Iron Blitz, powered by MonkeyKnifeFight.com. If you guys haven't gone over to MonkeyKnifeFight, you can play uh, Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, nightly. Uh, more or less is my favorite platform out there. So you can get a free $5 play up to a $100 match now, and you can get started right there. So if you put in 100 you can make up to three times your money, which is $300. So quick and easy. And if you're in- intuitive about doing sports and any of those three major sports, you're going to make some dough. So head on over to Mikey Night Fight. Uh, code is NJF, and get started today. Today we're going to be talking a lot of NFL draft as we get towards the 2021 draft this week. We're also going to dive into the WFA uh, game of the week. So we have lined up today uh, the talented uh, Tatiana Blaze of the Detroit Dark Angels. And then later in about 40 minutes, we are going to have a message from Brian Sweeney, who could make it today for us, but he's sending us a nice message about the For the Fans WFA game of the week as it's going to be weekly. Uh, coming up here starting May 1st all the way through the season. Uh, first game of the season is going to be Orlando versus Tampa uh, Inferno. So that's going to be a very interesting clash in the South. And we're we'll looking forward to that clash as well. And then we've got WNFC kickoff uh, starting off this week as well. So we'll dive into some of the matchups there in terms of the scheduling uh, for those matchups. But uh, we're going to have uh, Tatiana Blaze here in a couple minutes. And we will dive into uh, the matchup that everybody's looking forward to, Detroit versus Boston Renegades, and that's going to be in the middle of May. So we'll look forward to that as well. Uh, thanks for subscribing to us on Apple Podcasts. Really, really appreciate it. Everybody's done a great job there. You can subscribe on any platform, including iHeart or Spotify, but uh, Apple Podcasts is really, really awesome for us, and we've done really, really well for, uh, for the time that we've been on there. So really uh, appreciate everybody subscribing, sharing, and bringing attention to women's tackle football. So uh, let's go dive into... The NFL draft, before we get started here with our uh, monkey knife fight huddle. Uh, and so uh, the NFL draft really, in, uh, who's going to take what? So uh, it's basically um, quarterback for the most part, from what I've seen, most of the mock drafts. Um, so since that's happening, uh, everybody knows it's going to be probably uh, Trevor Lawrence uh, going first. and got Justin Fields going second. Um, you have Zach Wilson going uh, third. Uh, most of the picks are going to be in that line, which is going to be quarterback. 
But you also have some good picks in terms of, um, you know, the loaded class, which is intriguing. You have some picks there, which is Trey Lance at fourth, maybe uh, Mac Jones at five. I don't know if, you know, who's going to need a QB1 to really stand out. Um, Given uh, Justin Herbert's uh, success last year, I think everybody's really excited about which one of these rookies is going to make such an impact in terms of a franchise. Jacksonville, in particular, would be a uh, situation where they take in Trevor Lawrence, and if he turns that franchise around, wow, what what would it be for the you know for Deval fans out there? So at this point, all quarterbacks, all the quarterbacks that we're mentioning here, have pretty good manageable skills. They have pretty good. Um, you know, eye for a, a system. It's going to be whether they're going to fit in the right system in the NFL. That's really what it's going to boil down to. And how limited are they in terms of capabilities that they'll be, they'll be utilized? So, you know, can they thrive in a certain system, RPO system, or can they thrive in just a traditional pocket system? And are we taking them from their college comfort zone into the NFL, and will that affect them in terms of their output with their franchise? So that's the only question mark. Other than that, they're all talented. If you looked at everything in terms of coming up with the mock draft, everything is ideally set up to where if you take one of these five quarterbacks, somehow your program is going to improve tremendously. And if you're the Niners, as an example, um, the Niners really have established quarterback. So their attitude right now, all, all, all over the media, including local media where I live at, most of their attitude or the majority of their attitude is Shanahan and Lynch are going, hey, you know what? We're going to take the quarterback. We're going to groom this quarterback. It is a grooming stage. We're not going to get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo. We are going to be grooming. Okay, so if you are in that mindset in terms of a Niner fan, it kind of has to worry you in a sense too because will Jimmy G survive another healthy season? That's literally what it boils down to. And whoever they bring in, is it really going to be the guy that is next man up to, you know, solidify the franchise into a better state in terms of a playoff mode or even a Super Bowl run? So a lot of question marks there in terms of like laying your eggs in one basket and really going there. Um, they did move up for that purpose. They did, you know, trade up uh, for that purpose. So it looks to me like they understand or they know what they're doing uh, versus us who just kind of spew our thoughts. Um, but I really think. San Francisco is going to be very crucial as to who they get. Um, if they get anybody at all, I mean, I mean, to me it would be uh, more than likely they get Mac Jones. That would be ideal for them. Or they get a Trey Lance. At this point, I doubt they're going to get a Justin Fields or they'll get a, you know, a Zach Wilson. I could be wrong, but I doubt it. Since Trevor's really going to the Jacks, I think he's pretty much off the blocks. So Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, uh, Trey Lance, and Mac Jones pretty much in terms of who they'll get. Uh, we didn't talk about so much about running backs in the, in the last uh, you know, couple of weeks because we've been so focused on quarterbacks. But if you look at some of the things that are happening with the running backs, Najee Harris out of Alabama, Travis Itain from Clemson, Javante Williams from North Carolina, Michael Carter from North Carolina, uh, Trey Sermon from Ohio State. So, you know, the crop of running backs features a number of quality players uh, that all could be, basically the key running back in any system in terms of the, you know, what they run at the NFL. Harris is big with the skills of a scat back, has a size, strength, and power to run through defenses between the tackles, grain. Um, he's also really good at receiving skills. So, you know, 
there's a lot of keys there in terms of that. Williams is a freak show as a running back, really good. He's a good finesse player. Um, so it's, you know, who do you want? If you're a team that is struggling on the run game, this is where you, you have to handpick somebody. Um, and so a lot of these running backs are going to go to a necessary team that maybe needs a supplemental piece next to the quarterback they would have taken this year. So they take a quarterback, maybe in the second round they're going to take a running back, or they're working defensively, which is going to take a cornerback or a tight end. So depending on what the situation is, uh, we got wide receivers coming out as well. Jamar Chase, LSU, Jalen Waddell from Alabama, Devontae Smith from Alabama, uh, Cardias Tony from Florida, uh, Rashad Bateman from Minnesota. So the, the, the fact that these guys have so much playability and skill route running ability makes them interesting. Um, so that alone right there, you're going to see a couple of them in maybe the second, maybe three through the fifth round. Some of these kids are going to go, if they don't go in the top t- in the first round alone, they're definitely going to go in the second round. So a lot of these kids are really talented. Uh, Rashawn Bateman from Minnesota, probably underrated, considering the rest of the class, you know, like Florida and Alabama stat- status. So that could be the, the case on there. So uh, it, it's a mix of, you know, Michael Thomas and A.J. Brown in terms of Bateman. So that he could be a true number one receiver maybe on the Lions, as an example. Um, if given the opportunity. Uh, so there's a couple teams that probably need a receiver, the Titans, um, the Jets. I mean, there's a lot of teams that probably can, can use the number one receiver. At tight end, you had uh, Kyle Pitts from Florida, uh, Pat Framermuth from Penn State, Hunter Long from Boston College, Brevin Jordan from Miami, uh, Trey McKitty from Georgia. So the tight end position offers the biggest opportunity to create a mismatch on the field in, in, in terms of the group. Uh, it, it's an intriguing mix of playmakers, uh, so it's sort of like a, a reminiscent of like George Kittle and Travis Kelsey. Uh, Pitts, for example, is an ultimate offensive weapon, ultra-athletic ultra pass catcher and a wide receiver and tight end body, boosting a, an array of skills, an effective pass catcher with the potential to thrive on the chains. So there you go. So um, there's a couple players here that are kind of already what we see in the NFL today. Uh, in terms of the likes of George Kittle, in terms of the likes of Travis Kelsey, or even Kyle Rudolph, if you want to go that far. Um, so despite, uh, you know, despite the limited in terms of like hype for this group, I think this is a pretty good group to look at too. And and a couple of these tight ends are probably going to go in the first round, if not the second round, for sure. Second round. There's a lot. There's a lot of pieces and a lot of offenses that are built around the tight end position in the NFL now. Uh, so much including, you know, Kansas City, including some of the top playoff teams. So it could be a situation where a lot of these players are going to fit in just nicely in terms of a system. You get a nice quarterback, maybe like, for example, in Cincinnati, they could use somebody like a Hunter Long or they can use a, a nice piece like a like a Kyle Pitts. So we'll see where they land in terms of which team tech takes them. Uh, offensive tackles, we talk about that, you know, Russell Wilson complaining about uh, offensive lining and how they're not covered and not helping them and how they're not, you know, protecting them. Uh, Panay Sewell, Oregon, probably the number one, you know, they're looking at a player that you're eyeing. Rashawn Slater from Northwestern, Christian Darisol from Virginia Tech, Jalen Mayfield from Michigan, uh, Tavon Jenkins from Oklahoma State. So um, the class right here is pretty packed with quality prospects, and, and they they could probably come in and just fit the systems 
primarily in any system and be productive. These are really good, high-caliber players, and they are good at neutralizing some of the pass rushers. So they have quick hands, superb footwork. So a, a lot of these guys are really good at getting off the blocks really well. So um, in, in key positions, uh, for example, Darisaw plays a position like a bouncer at a nightclub, very bullies the front line, edge rushers. Uh, physicality is a good trait for anybody to have that. So I think a couple of these guys are going to go in, in probably the second and third round, and that will allow them some really good opportunities to go into some maybe some playoff round teams and success for them long-term in terms of a championship aspirations or even going to a top-caliber team that is on a playoff run mentality a year in, year out. On interior blockers, you had Elijah, uh, Elijah Tucker from USC, Wyatt Davis from Ohio State, Trey Smith from Tennessee, Creed Humphrey from Oklahoma, um, and then Landon Dickerson. So a, a rock-solid collection of interior blockers uh, could have a good impact in terms of you know, who they get, offensive guards or centers on the draft weekend. Uh, Tucker is a swing player with potential uh, man four spots on the offensive line. Uh, it's, you know, pretty good in that sense. Davis is a people mover at the point of attack. So there's some beef here that is interesting for some teams in terms of how they're going to be able to maneuver that and put a shield together and work to protect their quarterbacks, the running backs, and make an effective run game or uh, make an effective passing game successful. So, that's that's a key right there uh, in terms of that. Edge defenders, uh, Jalen Phillips from Miami, Kawiti Pay from Michigan, Gregory Rosenall from Miami, Carlos uh, Bassam Jr. from Wake Forest, and Toe, uh, uh, Joe Triton uh, from Washington. So despite of uh, star power at the edge, there are several pass rushers with a boomer bust potential. So this group is a little bit more skeptical. Um, there's potential there with maybe one out of the five. There's potential there with maybe two out of the five. But other than that, I would say it's somewhat of a gamble in that sense. Um, but it's a pass rushing mentality. So if there's a team that needs it, um, that's one of the one of the keys that they can acquire in this draft alone. Um, you have defensive tackles as well that you can take. Um, so I encourage you to go to the hub at facebook.com forward slash Brandon Beauties. Uh, you get the breakdown right there of the top five uh, NFL draft tees in each position by position. So you get it right there from NFL.com. Bucky Brooks does an amazing job of breaking it down for you, analyzing it, and giving you some tidbits about who's going to be the key players, who who would be the top draft picks in each position so that you could break down in terms of the scenario as which team is going to take that. Take away from the quarterback hype that we've been on for the last uh, four weeks ever since this happened. Um, we all know that that's going to be the first hype. But once that's done, um, you got to break it down more thorough. And this, uh, he's done a great job of breaking it down more thorough by position, uh, defense, offense, uh, giving you an opportunity to figure out which, you know, top five player is going to be a key to maybe one of, uh, you know, the franchises. So uh, a lot of second-round action, third-round action. And as we go into deeper into the, uh, the draft, which nobody goes into, but totally after the fourth round through the seventh round, it becomes really crucial for some of these top five players or in each position, whether they will be acquired or um, they're going to be uh, facilitated to a team that obviously needs the help. So really interesting. So check it out at the hub, facebook.com forward slash gridiron beauties. And you can get uh, the lowdown in terms of the draft coming up here as well. If you missed any of our podcasts, you guys can subscribe to any of the platforms. As I said before, Apple, 
podcast being our probably our favorite one, uh, iHeart and Spotify, or you can go Google Google Cast as well. Um, so you can listen to the latest podcast there. If you missed any of our episodes, uh, you missed uh, last week's episode, you can listen to it. Very insightful. Uh, we have Odessa Jenkins here giving us a lowdown on everything that's going going down in the WNFC 2021. Uh, before that, we had um, uh, Win Domini as well coming in here to give us the lowdown on everything in the WFA. Uh, and then we had uh, 367, Chris, uh, Christian Moore and Mariah Lopez giving us the lowdown on X League 2021. Then 366, Billy Avalos and Regina Escoto as the invasion, the Mexican invasion to the La Muerta de las Cruces in the WNFC begun. So we'll see how that works out in terms of week one. We're kind of interested to see what La Muerte will do and how they will do this season, including Erica Mitchum uh, giving us the lowdown on transports. Uh, 365, the talented and beautiful Kelsey Cristiano uh, that we interviewed there. 364, the uh, pioneer. Kay Mitchell and Anna Garza, ex-league also, superstar. And then we had uh, Barbier Boone talking to the Women's Football Forum. And then uh, we go back to 360, Steph Jackson, Helen McClary, uh, and uh, Edwina Elizondo of the champion Kingsville Empire of the Texas Valley Sports, including 359, Lois Cook in the house, TikTok influencer. So check it out. All our podcasts are already available, over 300. And you can check it out every week after the podcast and replay it on your time. And we really appreciate you guys doing that. I really, really appreciate it. So check out uh, up to uh, last month and including up to 300 on the, in the past. So uh, iHeart, Apple, and Spotify, Great Iron Beauty's um, podcast. So thank you very much. All right, so let's go into the, the huddle. And we're going to be talking to the talented uh, Tatiana Blaze of the Detroit Dark Angels. Is that you, Tatiana? Let me see if she's on the line. She was just there. Hopefully we don't have any switchboard issues here, but let me just get her on here and see if she's on there. There she is. Okay, great. All right, let's get her on here. Tatiana, are you there? Yes, I am. I'm hi. How are you? Hey. Good, good, good. I got. I, I guess it got dropped off or so. Um, sorry, apologize for that. It's okay. I call back. No big deal. I assume because I didn't hear. I didn't hear anything. <laughs> All right. How you doing, lady? Uh, how's everything going for you? I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. How are you? I'm doing good. Uh, just getting ready for 2021. You know, the season to kick off here. Pretty exciting. One. Uh, we got mm-hmm. what Saturday coming up here, so everybody's giddy yes, after a year do. off. You know, all this COVID stuff. Yep, we're getting ready to get started back in action for the for the uh, football season. Well, uh, Tatiana, I want to bring you on because um, you guys are going to be facing the big dogs in the WFA in the middle of May, and so I wanted to just get your take on there. So you guys did an awesome yeah. job on 2019, you know, going to the finals mm-hmm. um, against the St. Louis mm-hmm. Ram. 
that was a really good season for you guys. Can you talk about a little bit about that season and before this whole you know pre-COVID stuff and and how that season really matured and then you guys ended up in the final? Say um, definitely that season was the FTW uh, 19 tour. That was something we dubbed as we overcame adversity throughout the season. Uh, we felt like we were an underdog team. Um, and that we weren't really, you know, a focus of anyone's attention, and we wanted to prove that we were a force to be reckoned with. So I feel like we definitely proved ourselves as the season went on. We uh, took an early loss, I believe, to Pittsburgh early on, and then we had to play them again at their uh, at their uh, house, and it happened to be during the Eastern Conference Championship. So that was kind of one of the biggest dubs that we definitely wanted to take back because we felt the first game we could have beat them. It was just a lot of, you know, we had a lot of interceptions and things like that. And, um, you know, we had to kind of start a whole new, um, you know, a whole new swag. And that's what helped us overcome everything by dubbing ourselves as the FTW Tour, which carried us all the way to the championship game. How was your how was your season for you? Was it uh, very interesting? Or was it healthy? I mean, was it something in that sense for you? Um, as far as the 2019 season went? Yeah, the 2019. Um, uh, I feel like genuinely I was mostly pretty healthy. Um, I definitely maintained, um, health throughout the season. I would say other than a couple bumps and bruises, of course. Um, but, uh, we definitely, I definitely feel like it could have been, you know, something I could have prepared for a little bit more, but um, nonetheless, I was definitely ready. I feel like I didn't have a injury up until the last game. Um, that was our first time actually carrying 11, an 11-game 11 season. So I don't knock uh, what happened or, you know, how far I came without, you know, an injury or even sustaining one because I've proved, proved that I can come back better than ever because I came off an Achilles injury the season before. Yeah, and I think those are the, some of the things that uh, average fans don't know about. How you're, you know, certain players. Uh, if you're not, if you're not following the league, certain players don't. They don't realize exactly how much you know work is put into every season and how you want to excel. Because uh, we're so used to, you know, NFL players going through all this adversity, and we see it on video. But in the women's game, we don't have that option. So it sometimes it just, you know, surprises you when there's no somebody's not on the field or on the roster for that week. So it's, it's kind of like. You kind of have to hold your breath in a way and say, why isn't that person on the roster with certain weeks and stuff like that? Yeah. Yeah, they don't – a lot of people typically don't know the the rigor of a tackle season. Um, it's very rigorous as far as strength and conditioning goes, as far as practice schedule goes, as far as traveling and the beating that you take on your body, as well as trying to maintain and recover every single week. We play every week tackle back-to-back in a regular season just like just like the pros so other than a couple bye weeks it's pretty pretty tough you know and I feel like uh a lot of people don't know or have fear of that up until they play it because a lot of the adrenaline and excitement takes over so it doesn't come off as a lot of hard work or I don't want to say hard work it doesn't come off as so much of a job or a commitment comes off as fun so it just depends on everyone's view set or mindset of a playing tackle. Yeah, and I think that's the key right now. I, we're we're changing that mindset uh, primarily right now since we're getting more visibility in terms of like uh, eleven sports uh, for the fans for the WFA as an example. Um, I think people are going to start to realize more about the athletes and some of the franchises and 
hopefully, you know, post-COVID here, uh, a lot of people are going to draw into the attention span and maybe, you know, get their butts in the seats or just, you know, subscribe onto some sort of platform where it generates some monetary uh, value for the franchises. So I, I really think that's the next level that we're at now is the monetization stage. Yes, I definitely can agree with that. Uh, I feel like there is a lot of thing, a lot of the unknown, and when that becomes more uh, known, then there will be a lot of changes that will take place. I feel like there's a big start with uh, the NFL and the NAI emerging to make flag a, a collegiate sport as well as it being adapted into collegiate into Olympic sports. So I feel like that's a stepping stone for women's football in general as a whole. Um, but and I feel like it's just the first leg. You know, we have female referees, we have female coaches in the NFL. This is just the beginning. Tatiana, do you, how do you treat the balance of modeling uh, and football? They do it in the NFL with the men. Uh, do you feel like at this point uh, we need to start doing more of that in terms of the social media scape? Because there's a couple athletes, you know, on IG, on TikTok, on everywhere else. Some of them are actually doing that now, and they're really getting traction in terms of, you know, uh, viewership on top of that, uh, followers. Um, so it certainly will bring attention more to the, you know, to your franchise, to the brand in terms of the league. Do you think there's a balance there that we're going to be able to penetrate uh, just like they do in the NBA or the NFL? Uh, I genuinely feel like, honestly, that there are, you know, strides being taken in female football marketing. But I feel like there definitely can be a lot more, um, I feel like a lot of people don't hear of hear of certain teams and hear of certain organizations and things like that, but they don't know an entire league exists. You know, uh, I feel like they're uh, – I feel like the WFA and the WNFC definitely have stepped up their game as far as marketing is considered, as far as the sponsorship goals, as far as the major corporations that have decided to affiliate themselves with the organizations, as far as sponsorships and prizes are considered. I do think that's all great. But to be honest, I feel like there is still a gap within the marketing. I feel like there's a lot of brands who want to be supporters of women's football and women's tackle football who who put themselves out there and say they are supporters of women's tackle football, but the actions show otherwise. Actions speak louder than words, in my opinion. I feel like those organizations that want to be part of that change and part of, you know, her story, as we say, I feel like they need to actually, you know, turn up the ante a little bit. Uh, I feel like it should be something that is uh, marketed a lot more um, as far as whether there's cleats or whether there's equipment or whether there's uh, diversity and inclusion, whether there's inclusivity amongst, you know, genders and males and females and just showing the support overall, not just, you know, women breaking barriers. I feel like that male dynamic counterpart is important as far as bridging the gap and uh, expounding on the marketing. But there's a lot of things that need to be done a lot more. Um, we still have a barrier to break. Uh, you probably know about it. Everybody knows about it. So you're working with Zenith. Um, I know I talked to Win. Zenith is working with the WFA. We, so we don't have yes. female-specific gear, right, because everything is male-specific yes. gear. So we don't have, yes. you know, female helmet-specific. Um, so I really think, you know, one of these companies, is going to be able to be creative enough to maybe create the market per se. And then at that point, they're going to really see the benefit out of it because you're looking at what almost 3000 players in the U S and we're not talking to any, we're not even talking to the numbers in the overseas. And as an example, once we get some sort of uh, female specific gear 
in terms of, you know, top to bottom, uh, it'll be a game changer in terms of sales and marketing and everything else. Well, well, this is the thing. Uh, I feel genuinely that it's not necessarily needed a whole hardly and 100% female and male equipment separate. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, granted, there are, you know, there are the Douglas pads that have, you know, the breastplate and things like that that are different. But nonetheless, a helmet that's protecting, that's protecting a skull from concussion and, and injury like that is, is standard, in my opinion. You know, just okay. like there's somewhat of a of a of a baseball standard helmet for softball players and baseball players. You know, there's there's somewhat of a standard, you know, helmet. So I genuinely feel like that that's kind of not that's kind of an excuse that they're giving because they have to show the numbers marketing wise, right? So if we're putting out female helmets and shirt pads, they need to know if these items are going to sell consistently. They need to they need to see mm-hmm. their ROI. That's the biggest thing I feel like a corporation wants to see is their return of investment. So to me, the best way they need to go about it is bridging the gap as far as unisex apparel goes, and they need to do incorporation. So you know there's there's more camaraderie between the male and the female tackle football player counterpart. I feel like that gap is very huge unless you're unless you've gone to the coaching clinics or unless you've gone to uh, you know, become on a level as a Callie Bronson or a Katie Sowers or a Jim Welter type of thing where they've gone through these legs of coaching and, and football IQ. But I'm talking about there needs to be brands that are supporting the female dynamic. Like how about you bring in a, a, a top-tier quarterback like, you know, an Amanda Cogiality and have her, you know, do a small, fun commercial with another top-tier quarterback in the mail. That's, that's showing that you're supporting it, you know what I mean, and that they're about it. Not doing a commercial of all females say, yeah, we support women's football, but how? How are you supporting women's football other than other than giving us a commercial and and trying to put it on a platform? You need to show sport that is growing and that it needs additional support. So it's not just the the subliminal marketing they're doing. I think they're just scratching the surface to show that they're part of diversity and inclusion, but they need to show more to that they're part of diversity and inclusion as well as including them in marketing, including them in ads and advertisement and things like that, but not just in a commercial. How about an ad in the store? How about print? How about maybe a cleat? Um, a cleat? Right now they don't have female cleats, and that's fine, but how about you do a, uh, a, a commercial where there's uh, an Odell and a female in the same cleat? There's there's a lot of things that they can do. They're just, in my opinion, they're choosing not to fully do it because it hasn't been quite vastly accepted as we think it's been, if that makes sense. So um, to your point, so they're missing a, 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 market, a market trend that isn't – well, obviously they don't see the trend yet, but they're missing a trend basically, to your point. Yeah, they're missing a total trend. They're, they're trying to be part of the wave but not be game changers of the wave. They just want to ride it. Right. But or how about you swim out there and catch it as well, you know? They don't want to do yeah. that. And I think it's a hesitant because – is it going to be major market? Uh, to your point, it's it, it, and we have to be realistic, right? It's it's if you're a business owner tomorrow, you're not going to invest in something that's not going to give you a return on investment. Like to your point, it has to be an equal amount of okay. If we test this out, what is it going to be the return? Because that's usually what it boils down to in business. It's just what is what is it going to do for us? How how much exposure and you know what are we going to get gain on both sides? And that I think that's literally that's the, the key. Once that's... you understand it. You know, but that brings me to my point. Like, what? when are you going to actually show that you're trying to change that? You know, when are you actually going to do it? 
they're 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 they talk about it. Everyone talks about it. Everyone wants to show that there's her story and we support women doing sports and things like that. But yet there's still all of these huge financial gaps in funding and and uh, people, you know, like, for example, the WNBA getting paid and things like that. There's a lot of things that these organizations can do to show that they're supporting women's sports in general and as a whole. And, I mean, to be honest, I, I genuinely feel like I can be part of that difference. I genuinely feel like that I can help bridge that gap. But all someone is in, it needs is a chance from someone who is in that position to also be part of that change. Um, and it's, it, in a way, it's kind of, you know, and it's, Unacceptable. You can you can learn about women's football if you put them on on, in, on display, give them a chance to be put on display where they can be seen, instead of instead of something that you're cycling through based on seasons and trends and and uh, hashtags, right? No, correct. I mean that's why I'm saying we're either on a social media scale, we have a lot of tools that we can still utilize to make or bring awareness or bring some sort of trend or you know, that kind of deal. You can do a lot of hashtags. I mean, there's a lot of ways you can do it. Uh, but to your point, there there isn't a corporation uh, commitment. That's your that's your point, right? Yeah, that is. How do we how do we bake, uh, how do we break through? Uh, you know, at the, at this mainstream, do you think uh, with the TV coverage that we're going to get in this this season by, by both top leagues that even more and, and maybe bring that. Uh, gap closer to what you're talking about? I think there also needs to be a lot of legwork. There needs to not just be social media marketing. There needs to be conversations that need to be had. There needs to be appearances by CEOs and organization, um, rep, you know, representatives that are make that are actually taking strides and working to continue to grow, meet with people. Don't always wait for someone to come go meet with these people. There are all kinds of events that, you know, our our governing our governing body can you know indulge in and meet with people and continue to promote the league. And I feel like until it gets to that point where there is a marketing team, when I say a, market, a full marketing team that has social media rep, that has a networking rep, that has a conduit, that has a brand mark, they need a marketing team to go out and actually bring in this this audience. And it's going to take time, otherwise, or they need to invest in it if they want it to get to that level where they can get where they can get their their ROI back. Then it's going to take an investment into marketing. And with technology being as as big as it is, it's kind of like in a way, it's no excuse as to why I can't continue to grow and build. It just takes consistency, and it takes a lot of footwork and labor, and it takes dedication on all levels, not just the top level. It takes going out. It takes waiting for people to come. It takes marketing. It takes Gambles take a lot of things and a lot of risk. So how excited are you for week one? You haven't hit anybody except for your teammates. Did you guys have a scrimmage at all? Uh-huh. Uh, Not so much this year. Um, we definitely uh, have been taking things um, as a team, you know, very cautiously, obviously, with the COVID procedures and things like that and what can happen uh, realistically, you know, so – we're all trying to keep each other pretty much as healthy as we can as well as continue to, you know, advance our game. So definitely excited for week one, excited to uh, get at get at the uh Lansing Sa- the Capital City Savages. So, um it's gonna be it's gonna be great. You know, it's been a whole year of pit built up in uh, adrenaline <laughs> energy that needs to be released. So I think it's gonna be exciting. Well, I know you're a gamer and a baller, so uh, that's no doubt. I'm pretty sure you're going to fall out as usual. 
Um, what is the mission for the Dark Angels to return to the final and a trip to Canton? Oh, it's that and more. It's that in a ring. It's nothing less. Nothing less. Well, how, and it will be anything. How excited say are you anything to, less to be, be showing up in Canton of all places this year? Like uh, the finals in Canton. I'm I'm excited. I'm like I want to go to Canton now to see. I mean, by, by all means, Canton. welcome to the East. By all means, welcome to the East and the Midwest. Welcome to our wheelhouse. <laughs> That's all I can say. It, Welcome. Have you been to the uh, to the Hall of Fame at all? No, I haven't. But you know that Ohio's Ohio's a neighbor, so it's a hot tip and a jump. So nothing, yeah. no, no, not a new territory that we're unfamiliar with. Obviously, with playing Columbus and Cleveland and Cincinnati True. and Toledo, you know, def, definitely not a not a territory that we're unfamiliar with. So you know, bring it. Welcome. All right, well, I'm excited for you because it seems like you're giddy for <laughs> to take down some. So the Savages, uh, I guess they have to watch out at this point because uh, you guys look really good in 2019, uh, given, you know, all the way to the end. And uh, you, you faced a really good opponent, which is a slam. And they're always very good. And they, they, they come to play like you guys. So um, this year, I think, once we get to uh, Canton, as I talked to Wynn before, uh, do you feel like if you get there, do you feel like the pressure is going to be more because you got to, like, show a real good – matchup in terms of a marketing mentality or to get some eyes to pay attention and maybe dive in, like you said, to, to put in some dollars into the, uh, into the branding. There, there will always be a good matchup when you play DDA. There will always be a great matchup. There will never be anything less of a show when you play DDA. Everyone steps on the field to play and that's, it's not going to be anything less. So I feel like if there's, if there's a team on the West that is going to, you know, step, step, on, uh, in the championship coming to the East, then bring it, you know, because it's definitely that time. And I think everyone on on the team is excited to get back to that same platform where we don't, don't see ourselves anywhere other than, but instead of coming out, you know, um, anything less than victorious, you know, we want to come out champions on top. So anyone that's that decides to step across, line up against us on the other side of the uh, line of scrimmage with us just needs to be ready. All right. Um, bold and to the facts. That's what you are. Uh, no intimidation from, from anybody else. So uh, I guess Capital City is listening, so they should be ready for week one because, like you said, DDA is coming for the ring. So um, how excited are you to face the champs in, in Boston, the Boston Renegades? probably the premier team in terms of the league. So is, is that is that a big test for you, or uh, do you feel like no big deal, just an, it's no, another obstacle? Oh, I'm definitely going to give Boston their respect. I'm not going to not give Boston their respect. They they are definitely a great team. They're definitely, you know, the team to beat on the East as, for, as far as across the league because they're champions. So, um, you know, they're great people. We've met them. We met them when we went to Denver, and they were just a great group. Of uh, of women, uh, we we don't expect anything less than a, than a fight, uh, and to really get down to it. Uh, definitely excited to line up against them for the first time because I believe this is our first time playing them. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if this is the first time playing them in the franchise history, but this is the first time where I've been on a team where we've matched up against them. Um, anyone other than Pittsburgh that far east, actually. So. Um, um, it's exciting. I mean, I don't think we would be any. We would be scared. I just think we we're excited to play such a great, such a well-known and recognized team 
we're we're excited. And everyone, I feel like everyone is excited to get back on the field and just play after being off for almost two years. So uh, I think the the uh, excitement for this year is way bigger than 2020. We thought 2020 is going to be big, but I think this year is more more exciting because we do have live coverage. We have game of the week. We have a lot of other uh, things that are happening within the eight weeks realm. And then the announcement, obviously, the finals being in the, in the uh, Canton, in Canton, that's huge as well. So um, what do you think of the overall scope of the sport in terms of are we trending positively into the monetization environment? We still have the WFLA, uh, you know, in the horizon, 2022. Uh, that's what, you know, is projected for the, uh, the the regular season for them. But we have, you know, the two top leagues here in the state. So what's your thoughts? Like, do you have mixed thoughts about whether the WNFC is going to take us there or will the WFA take us there or will it be the WFLA once it hits front and center? Um, I... I definitely believe that it it depends on who wants it and who wants to work together to put us there, you know, and get us on that level. I feel like, you know, no one can mess with when there's not brilliant minds that work together. But um, I definitely feel like all of the leagues are heading in the right direction. I don't feel like neither one of them are heading in the wrong direction. You know, WNFC has Adidas and Riddell. As amongst others, and, you know, and then you have the WFA that has Venus and Secret and KT Tape. You know, I feel like there's, you know, you have the WFLA that's offering, you know, compensation. So there's a lot of things that are moving in women's football. It's just a matter of which one is, is going to be the foundation of something better and great that's going to get us there to full compensation like our male counterparts in the professional side. So it's going to take time, but it's also going to take someone to give us a chance to believe. It's going to take people who – who hear about it and think about it and say that they like it and say that they love football to actually take that chance and buy a ticket and sit in their seat. You know, and that comes from not just the support from the male counterpart, but from other females as well and other communities that support and represent that that image and that ideal. I think that might be the key. Um, it might be the key at this point where if we get success here, ultimately, within the, this season, I really think it's going to be a really good thing once uh, the WFLA launches because if they bring in a different model with a different concept, then there's already sort of a treadware going forward in positive mode. So now we have three three leagues, as you, to your point. Which one's going to stand out? Which, will it be you know the longest-running one? Will it be the one that just launched two years ago? Or, will it, or, is, it, or is it going to be the one that's just, you know, basically in, in its inaugural season. Um, so it's kind of interesting yeah. in that sense. And, and the payment status is what I question a lot because, you know, we can sit here and criticize, but if somebody has a different model and it's going to get us to women getting paid, I, I don't care how, you know, we get to the paid stage as long as we get paid. If somebody's got I, a different I agree, you know, mindset. I, I agree, but I definitely think it's going to take work from everyone, not just tackle, but I think the flag element as well. I feel like if people want to see women playing football, it's going to take collaboration from all parties to push women playing football, not just flag, not just WFA, not just WNSC, not just WFLA, but women's football, period. You know, that's what it's going to take. So when everyone understands that. 
the flag's going to be the key. Uh, I really think that's going to be the key. Once the high schools get going, once we get a little bit of nationwide competition in terms of the high school realm of things, just like we have with, you know, general football, basketball, soccer, and everything else, uh, mm-hmm. I really think that that's going to drive uh, the uh, interest so much to the point where, uh, you know, girls are either going to have to play pro flag or they might, if, if we get to pro tackle, they get an opportunity to play for both, especially with the scholarship offering. That's huge for the NIA. I think the NCAA is asleep right now, but I'm pretty sure we're going to we're, I we're mean, start they'll, waking they'll them wake up. up. Yeah, they'll wake up, and I definitely agree with you. I definitely think flag is definitely going to be the key. I think that it's going to take support on both sides because that's what is going to be the transferable skill set, right, because they're having flag from young girls all the way up until now, the NAIA for, you know, collegiate, and then you have the WSSN um, now, which is another league that I play in, which is going to be the first – Inaugural, this is their inaugural season of the professional uh, flag league for women to continue to play, you know, uh, flag on a professional level, as well as those women who may be interested to playing tackle on the other side. So I do feel like there needs to be, at some point, a common collaboration between both sides to continue to build that brand. It's going to take the right people to do it. But the goal is to push women's football. That's what the goal is. But I definitely do agree with you with flag being the key. Yeah, I think once we get to that stage of normancy and the acceptance of it, I mean, I know Dion Lee's been working on it. Uh, you know, Liz Sowers, uh, Katie Sowers now. We have, uh, you know, Steph Jackson and the group as well working on it in terms of getting the NFL and the fly, NFL flag up and sent, up and running in center. Uh, so the foundation is what we're building right now. The found, Once we get the flag foundation, then it, it'll make it so much easier for uh, young girls Right, like you, to your point, they start at the lower levels, understanding the game more. Once they get to the mid-level, high school level, they're obviously going to be a lot more athletic and more uh, in tunes of what it's all about. Once they get to the pro level, it just makes it more easy for, uh, I think, the, the tackle teams as well as the flag teams to just kind of have them blend into a system. Right. I agree. It's, 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 it definitely has to be a, a, a bridging system somehow where the girls are kind of getting exposed to both and being able to see both and then to talk about it, to chatter about it. That's what it's going to take, you know, because you have some of those girls who may prefer the tackle element over the flag element, but regardless, they all have to be introduced to it. Um, And it's going to take, like I said, it's going to take a lot of teamwork from both parties and other corporations and brands to fully push and support it. All right. uh, uh, When you retire and go Straight to pure modeling, is that going to happen soon? Is is, is the retirement on the horizon there for you? Or, or are you are you going to flag and then just stay in the flag? Because I, I talk to a lot of players, and a lot of players are like, okay, I can play tackle for so long, but then now, like you said, there's an enticement on the flag side where if you're going to get paid for flag, it's not as, a, not as aggressive as an example. Uh, but it is a, a more – I guess it's grueling in either way, but I, I've been told in the flag sense – physicality is not as bad, but it, it is still physically, you have to be tuned up, right? Um, I, so I, I am um, working on a expansion into flag. Uh, I am playing on the WSSN and on the Atlanta Rain team. Um, and I'm excited about that. It's definitely a new um, a new territory for me. I would say it's, it's a little different than tackle. Um, there's trans- some transferable skills there. There's some new ones you have to pick up. Uh, but it's definitely um, exciting. 
So I'm going to be actually dabbling into both this season. All right. So the the the, the status of your state is you're mixing both, right? You're staying fit on Currently. one and coordinating to the other one. Yeah, because I do agree that, you know, there is some longevity in flag. Um, I have some teammates on in tackle that have maintained longevity. Mm-hmm. I've seen players as old as 45 in both um, mm-hmm. um, and, and older. So I'm not going to say one is marked for the other. It just depends on who's willing to keep up with, with themselves for each one. Um, but I do – I do like the skill play in flag, and I do like um, – I enjoy the 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 high level of skill play competition and the fact that a lot of – and seeing how a lot, of the girl, a lot of these girls have high skill level in flag but maybe have not tried to do it in tackle with helmet and shirt pads. It's a little different. You know, you add some weight on you, and, you know, you got to see if you can move the same. You have, you know, restrictions with the short, with the padding and things like that. So – it is, there's a lot of things that I feel like, you know, would be fun. It would be cool if there was, like, an integrated, like, I guess, quote-unquote powder puff flag bash, football bash, where women's tackle players did some flag and some flag players did some tackle. That would be pretty fun to see and let people get the experience of each. But, um, you know, again, like, that's, that's, you know, hopefully it's something that's on the horizon. Yeah, I think that's going to be the trend going forward, especially if the w, um, WFFN uh, is successful. We might see a trend where that's going to build up. And I know they're doing what, international uh, international teams as well going forward from, from what I read. Um, so they're looking yeah. at Mexico yeah, and Canada true. as an example. So that's uh, pretty cool. I mean, you got the North American swing, which is hopefully with all this post-COVID and uh, we get rid of all this, you know, mandates and guidelines and, we go back to some sort of normalcy, uh, a lot of things will take off in a positive way. Um, well, young lady, I, w- I wanted to bring you on, so uh, hype up the, the matchup for week one, and I think uh, they're all interesting, but uh, the one that stood out to me was week two because that, that's, you know, you guys have been in the finals in 2019, 2019, and so week two is going to be awesome. Not take, Nothing to take away from week one, but uh, that is a marquee circle matchup, so um, we wanted to dive into that because I, I think Boston, Detroit, uh, looking forward to that one. As we as we both are, I'm excited. I'm excited to I'm excited to see how how this goes myself. All right, um, thanks for making the time. I really really appreciate. it. I know you're busy and all, and uh, really uh, continued success. Stay safe, COVID free, and uh, I guess the goal is to take down the beast, the top dog in the WFA. So DDA. Yep, That's that the is, task. Yep, that is the go. Looking forward to it. All right. Tatiana, thank you for making the time. Really appreciate it. Uh, have safe travels out there. And looking forward to the outcome on week 8, May 8th, or week 2, May, May 8th, as uh, Boston Renegades take on the Detroit Dark Angels. Awesome. Thank you. Have a great night. You as well. Bye. All right, guys, uh, Tatiana Blaze, uh, one of the talented athletes in the Women's Football Alliance. Uh, I mean, just an amazing athlete. Uh, she was on the 2019 Division II finalist Detroit Dark Angels, and now they're going to be taking on May 2nd, right after they get past, the obviously, the, the capital, capital City Savages. Uh, they get past them. Then week two is the biggest task they will have probably all season, 
and that is to take on the champs, uh, the Boston Renegades. Um, and so um, Allison Cahill's a bunch out there, and so it's going to be an interesting matchup there. So as we're talking WFA, uh, we're going to talk WFA week one here. So we dive into it right now, and then we're going to get with uh, Brian Sweeney, going to give us the the lowdown and what's going to have game of the week as well here. So that's one of the WFA May 1st. And we'll go some key matchups here. So week one, uh, it's going to be kicked off. Houston Power will be taking on the Austin Outlaws in Houston. Uh, sort of a good rivalry there as well. Then we got Detroit Dark Angels taking on Capital City Savages, as she just said here, in Detroit. Got Knoxville Lightning taking on the Carolina Phoenix in Knoxville. Uh, you got the Music City Misfits taking on the Cincinnati Sizzle in Nashville. You got Grand Rapids Tidal Waves taking on the Columbus Vanguards in Grand Rapids, Michigan. You got May 1st, also Arlington Impact, very, very improved, much improved team in 2019. Uh, we'll see uh, after a year, uh, this team should be ready to just kill it. Uh, I have no idea what the Dallas Elite Mustangs look like right now, but it's week one. We will know exactly when the result happens, but the Impact has really made strides in the last two, three years. An impressive improvement all year in that sense. So it's going to be home game for them, Arlington Impact. So I'm pretty sure they don't want to be losing their first game of the year. Uh, so Dallas Elite Mustangs really, uh, they got a, a to-do here, especially versus the um, Arlington Impact. So And then over in Miami, the Fury will take on the Daytona Wave Runners. So rivalry matchup there in Miami. Gulf Coast Monarchy versus the Houston Energy. Gulfport, Mississippi. Then you have the Cali War will be taken on the Inland Empire Desert Eagles. Um, that'll be in Los Angeles. And the return, I believe, of Sammy Grisafi, of all things, from what I heard from Backseat Coach on Twitter. So if that is correct, Sammy Grisafi will be leading the Cali War. It's a change dynamic for the Cali War. Uh, they've always been top-notch. Uh, Chantel Wiggins, Previous to that, it's QB, and now if uh, Samir Grisafi literally just sits in and replaces a Chantel Wiggins, wow, that's going to be an, an amazing uh, transition for the Cali War to stay at the same level that they've always been top-notch on the West Coast. Um, Minnesota Vixen will be taking on the Iowa Phoenix in Minneapolis. And then you got Sun City Stealth taking on the Mile High Blaze in El Paso, a road uh, matchup for them. Sun City trying to make a, a name for themselves, and they would be very uh, – Surprising if we had Mile High's fall to Sun City, but uh, it would be a great thing for them too. So El Paso, um, Sun City, Stealth taking on Mile High Blaze. The Sacramento Sirens, the return of the Sacramento Sirens, and they will take on the Division Three champions, Nevada Storm, in Sacramento as the first game in Sacramento in a long, long time. So interesting matchups there. Uh, Tulsa Threat versus the OKC Lady uh, Force. In Tulsa, Tampa Bay Inferno versus the Orlando Anarchy in Tampa Bay. This is your uh, WFA for the fans HQ week one matchup that will be replayed uh, a week from today, and that will be Tampa Bay Inferno versus the Orlando Anarchy in Tampa. So hopefully that showing will be a great thing. Then you have the Baltimore Nighthawks will be taking on the Richmond Black Widows, another rivalry, in-state rivalry in Baltimore. Portland uh, Fighting Shockwave taking on Seattle Spartans. 
So West Coast Clash in Portland. The Arizona Outcasts versus the Sin City Trojans with our girl out there, Lexi DeMeo. Uh, it's going to be in Phoenix, road trip for the, for the Trojans. And then you have um, the Capital Pioneers will be taking on the Sioux Falls Snow Leopards, brand new team there. It'll be in Salem, Oregon on May 1st. The Zydeco Spice will take it on Louisiana Bio Storm Surge, and that's in Lafayette. And then that is week one, and then we're looking forward to all the matchups here as we get into week two. Pretty impactful. Texas Duel will be Houston Energy taking on Atlanta Impact. That's going to be a really good one. you got Baltimore versus D.C. That's going to be another big one. you got the uh, the Columbus Vanguards taking on Derby City. That's going to be another big one. Boston taking on DDA, which is Detroit Dark Angels. That's going to be huge. Uh, it's going to be Miami against Tampa Inferno, uh, another an, an, an extensive matchup right there. And then you have, uh, what's the other ones here? Here we go. Uh, Boston, uh, Boston Renegades against DC Divas in week three. So a lot of matchups happening there. So let's bring in uh, the insightful Brian Sweeney to give us the breakdown of what's going to happen in week one of the WFA um, for the fans HQ. Hey, everybody. Brian Sweeney here, Women's Football Alliance National Championship announcer with some exciting news about the WFA game of the week. Each week, the Women's Football Alliance, in partnership with FTF, which is For the Fan Sports Network, will broadcast a live game nationwide. Teams like Arlington, Boston, Dallas, Houston, D.C., Cali, Minnesota, and to kick things off, Orlando at Tampa Bay. That first game will be this Saturday, May 1st at 6 p.m. Eastern Time when the Anarchy face off against the Inferno for the sixth time in the last four seasons. Tampa Bay has a three-game-to-two lead in the all-time series. Orlando's coming off a championship run in 2019, and Tampa narrowly missed the playoffs. Both teams are moving up a division this year, with Orlando moving from Division Three to Division Two, and Tampa moving from Division Two up to Division One. How can you watch these games? If you have a Roku, it's channel 228. If it's Zumu, it's channel 711. And Samsung TV Plus, channel 1167. Or, to make it even easier, head on over to ftflive.com slash channels. Make sure to follow WFA Football on Twitter or For the Fan HQ for the latest news and updates on this exciting joint partnership. Also, look me up as well at Mr. Underscore Announcer Guy. I'll have more exciting news for you in the weeks ahead as we make our way to the 2021 WFA Pro Football Championship Weekend, July 23rd and 24th at the Tom Benson Hall of Fame Stadium in Canton, Ohio. All right. So thanks, Brian, for uh, tuning us in and giving us the lowdown and the breakdown. Uh, you can looking forward to Emery Hunt, and you're looking forward to Brian Sweeney, and check him out every week, WFA, uh, for the fans. We will have the links at the hub for both leagues, and we'll have all the links to get the matchups. You're going to have uh, WNSC Blitz coming up here in a little bit, and it's going to have a, kind of a red zone feel to it. 
which is I'm totally excited to see what that's going to look like. And we're going to have the uh, you know game of the week as well within that uh, within that matchup's favorite game on the Vire Network as well. So uh, for the fans for the WFA game of the week, and you got Vire Network that's going to cover the repeat and replays of all the games in the Women's National Football Conference. So we just went through WFA Week One. We're going to dive into WNFC, the Women's National Football Conference Week One. And you can follow them at WNFC on Facebook. You can follow them WNFC Football on Instagram, w, uh, WNFC Football on Twitter. So check it out right there, and you can get the lowdown. Otherwise, you can go to the hub at facebook.com forward slash Beauties. You can go to at Gridiron Beauty on Twitter, and you can take advantage of all the news and articles that are happening there uh, in terms of both leagues. All right, so week one, uh, week one, there will be a coaching uh, a, a coaching poll, and it, there will be a rankings poll that will combine both uh, parties, uh, media party and coaching uh, coaching poll that will marry together week one, and it will give us a consensus as to week to week what the WNFC uh, top teams are, where they're trending, who's the top dog in each week, uh, and how things are seen from a coaches poll and a media poll. So we will have those folks analyzing. Uh, part of the committee, uh, be one of those folks as well to get criticized from the uh, teams and the players in terms of each ranking week to week. Uh, it was really exciting in 2019 to be a part of it. I'm really excited to be a part of it again, and I really appreciate the, uh, the leadership of the WNFC for entrusting me with that. Uh, I appreciate the athletes and the owners and, the, and also the, uh, the franchises for giving us the opportunity to have some fun here and also uh, witness amazing football week to week and combining with the coaches polls. I'm kind of excited to see how we come together and kind of rank each team and what the feedback is going to be on the group boards and uh, have some fun week to week. And then uh, what will happen at the end and how concise and, and correct we will be. That'll be a great uh, time to have a beer at the end to kind of put it together. So um, it's going to be really exciting. So looking forward to that aspect of it. Uh, week one, uh, May 1st, coming up here, Denver Bandits taking on La Muerte de las Cruces. The Bandits, uh, Kristen London, talk a big game here. Now they're going to face their rivals right there, La Muerte de las Cruces, with the Mexican infusion. Uh, so we will see what Billy Avalos has in store for the Denver Bandits. Uh, it's going to be a really good matchup here. Denver, a uh, pretty good squad in 2019, middle of the pack. Uh, would love to get off the blocks and 1-0 La Muerte as well. You know, looking for that 1-0 victory here and a uh, and a win. Really exciting matchup right there. Then we have the debut of officially of the Phoenix Prowlers. They did debut in 2019, but they did not play uh, any games in terms of regular league play. So the Utah Falcons will take on the Phoenix Prowlers. Uh, Prowlers, the Utah Falcons, the runner-up, nine cup runner-ups. They will take on the Phoenix Prowlers. So. Uh, Phoenix, big obstacle here. Uh, Utah has retooled, has brought in the Hall of Famer, our, our girl, and the Hall of Famer, Holly Custis, to the addition of the Falcons. Yeah, Louise Bean, our former co-host as well, leading the Falcons. So uh, Utah and Coach Rasmussen, we know what they're all about. So it's a matter of Phoenix will be all about. So uh, I'm pretty sure Utah is eyeing the return to the nine cup in Texas. And that's usually their goal, and that's their mission. 
And uh, you got to be really on your game on game day uh, to take down Utah. That's all I got to say. So, you know, shout out to uh, the Prowlers, but uh, you got a big task on your hands. And like and any given Saturday, uh, anybody can get beat. So, but at the same time, you're, you're facing really the number two team in the WNFC, the number two team in the WNFC. So just keep that in mind. The Oregon Ravens will start off there. Uh, they will take on Las Vegas Silver Stars. Las Vegas, not a great season in the inaugural season, 2019. They really need to get off. They need, really need to get off the blocks here, uh, and and they really need to get, uh, put a statement out there. Uh, Oregon, uh, I don't know what they're about. Um, haven't looked at the roster thoroughly, so I'm assuming they would love nothing better to take down Las Vegas and get their first win in in game play in season. So we'll go look at that. Seattle. Uh, a lot of changes in Seattle, given the fact that there's dynamics in the Oregon swing, and uh, we won't know what you know the Majestics are all about. But hey, if you're excited, we're excited. The double, the double twins, twins, right there on social media. Go to the hub at facebookcom beauties. The excitement is building in Seattle in terms of getting the Majestics back to being one of the top five teams in the WNFC, like they were in the mix in 2019. So. Pretty exciting to see that. Rebellion, on the other hand, the Rebellion, uh, I mean, you want to know what they've been doing all all year? You, you just got to be at their IG page. They have been iron, iron, iron. They have been infused, infused, infused. Uh, Nenji Martin, Katie Ott, they are rebbing. They are rebels. They are ready to rock. So Seattle, uh, San Diego, this was a great clash rivalry in 2019 and it was basically a great matchup and we will expect no less from these two teams and I think it's going to be an interesting matchup San Diego looking for a vision to the night cup and to be the premier the premier side west coast squad you had Los Angeles you had Seattle in 2019 that really mixed it up and San Diego somewhat there uh, on the uh, edge and they now I think they want to break through. Pretty good, decent season in 2019, but they really – I don't think San Diego wants to be in the middle of the pack. I think San Diego really wants to be in that top five conversation. So looking forward to that. Seattle was already in that sense. So if San Diego gets off the blocks 1-0, this is going to be very impressive considering everything they've put in in the offseason, even during COVID. So, uh, But Seattle, I'm pretty sure they're going to bring it. They never – uh, underestimate their opponent, and I think they're ready for it as well. So this is probably the key matchup out of the three games that we just mentioned. This is the one that you probably want to dive into and really look at. This is a true rivalry from the first season. This is a matchup that we would love to see, and I would recommend Seattle Majestics taking on San Diego Rebellion. That's where we want to be. you got the, the Kansas City Glory, Liz Sowers, uh, Kiki Blackman, and the Nebraska Nighthawks with our salty one, Mackenzie Brooks, in the house, Nebraska Nighthawks. Uh, Nebraska did not have a pretty good showing in terms of a scrimmage matchup against the Vixen. I don't know if that's going to matter at this point, but that was not a really good showing. So hopefully the girls have, uh, you know, revised themselves and focused on the glory. Kansas City, we have no idea what they're all about, but if they're being coached by Liz Sowers and Katie Blackman, you know that Kansas City is going to be – somewhat of a challenge so uh nebraska really impressive in 2019 taking on the top dogs in the midwest and uh you know they really wanted to break out but they've it's kind of a revamped club in that sense kansas city brand new 
Uh, we have no idea what's going to happen here. So Kansas City versus Nebraska, looking forward to the outcome there in week one, and that will tell us the story about which team is going to be trending upwards. Um, then we got Texas Elite Spartans taking on the Houston Heat. Uh, the Heat, new coaching staff, new uh, attitude, new logo, new changes. Everything has changed in Houston. So in terms of the Texas Elite, they have one goal, the champs. They are the champs. This is the measuring stick for the Women's National Football Conference. So Houston, a big task in, in uh, week one. They would, If they can upset the elite Spartans, somehow upset the elite Spartans, this would be huge. This would be huge, not for just a rankings perspective, but for rankings, of course, but it would be huge, and it would be a wave through the WNFC for this season. Uh, but uh, the chances and percentages of that are very, very small for the Heat. Nothing to take away from the Heat, but I'm going to tell you right now, uh, the Texas Elite Spartans um, usually on their game. So this is going to be a big test for Houston. Uh, it's actually a gauge as to where they're at. So hopefully they don't get blown out. Hopefully they stay toe-to-toe and make it a competitive matchup at this point. The other matchup that we're looking at is Washington Prodigy, Jennifer King and company taking on the Atlanta Phoenix. Uh, This is a clash of the East Coast. Uh, The Atlanta Phoenix, really good squad in 2019. Uh, Washington coming right out of the WFA. This is something to prove. This is a team that wants to make a name for themselves. Who better to do that than to bring in a pioneer like Jennifer King to guide your ship. So this is really exciting. So besides Seattle Majestics, San Diego Rebellion, uh, taking nothing away from, you know, Utah against Phoenix and Texas Elite against Houston Heat, I really think this is the next game that you got to be watching. The the, the Prodigy uh, against the Atlanta Phoenix, see what this class is going to be about. Uh, The other game is the Alabama Fire will be taking on the Mississippi Panthers. Uh, This is a clash of you know, south. So we'll see how uh, how this comes about. At Alabama played a pretty decent season in 2019. We have no idea what the Mississippi Panthers will do in the WNFC. They talk a big game on IG, very vocal. Now it's time to prove it. And uh, they have set a, the bar really high for themselves. From what I hear, they want to go to the nine cups. So this is a great matchup. Alabama Fire, Mississippi Panthers, uh, Alabama with Tony Fuller and Kay Mitchell. I mean, you can't get a better than that. And I'm, I'm pretty sure Kay said, hey, we're, 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 we're hitting 1-0. So Mississippi's got a big challenge here. The uh, last game in week one, Carolina Queens taking on the Philly Phantoms. Uh, Philly, been a lot of hype and promotion and a lot of the stuff on IG. They look good. They look great. They got the unis going. Everything looks fun. Carolina's been kind of quiet in that sense. So uh, we know uh, Ebony Kimbrough out there, that's all she does. It's game day. They'll, they'll prove it on the field. The really good clash here. So I, I really think this is one of the games that we got to look at. Philly uh, coming something to prove. Carolina something to prove. Either one of them wants to start off 1-0 and really showcase who's going to be the top dogs in the East. So it's a really good matchup. So three matchups for you to watch. Uh, you can catch all the games on the Vire Network uh, after the weekend. But three games to watch on the first week of the WNFC, I would recommend, would be the Prodigy against the Phoenix, the Carolina against Philly, and then uh, Seattle versus San Diego. So that's going to be the matchups right now. Uh, we'll dive into week two next week. 
based on the results and how competitive that's going to be. But we're looking at three good games here that you can dive into, including the rest of the slate in terms of, the, of week one matchup. So really, really exciting opportunities for both WFA and the WNFC. And we're looking forward to the broadcast of those games as well. Uh, we're going to be diving into both leagues week to week, including the rankings part of it, including the coaches poll. So a lot, a lot to talk about week to week with our uh, co-host uh, Chelsea Alt and Gabby Farrell going forward. So we're going to dive into all the teams in both leagues, and it's going to be pretty exciting. If you haven't caught a, a, caught any of our podcasts, you can go back to 355 as we talked to Tony Fuller about the Atlanta Atlanta Fire. Go back to 348 with the amazing Sam Gordon. Uh, 350, Michelle Angel. Then we had uh, 342, Sammy Grisoffi and Steph Ponzer. And then 328, Viri Learman and Angelica Grayson, as well as 325, Adrian Smith of the Boston Renegades. 320, 324, Sherry Awaga and Daniel Harvey. And 337, Tashay Winfrey. Um, so if you haven't uh, subscribed to our podcast, go ahead and on Apple, iHeart, and Spotify, or on your favorite platform, go ahead and uh, get the links right there at the hub at facebook.com forward slash great iron beauties all right so before we get out of here we got to go into spain the lfa femenina and then we also have um iwfa week two the um ravens the champions i believe 44 to uh, 44 i believe to uh 13 if i'm correct the take on the divas so uh it was uh uh, it was a matchup, really good matchup. You get the results right there at the hub. We're looking, we're looking forward to the upload of the result there. Um, I think it's seventy-seven thirty-one, if I'm correct, but I believe it is. So, but a great matchup off the blocks week two. Uh, the Lynx got off to a great start in week one. So uh, the Divas are zero and two on the season. Lynx one and zero, uh, and the the RGV Lynx will be taking on the Austin Ravens, the champs, in week three. So we'll keep tabs on that at the hub at facebook.com forward slash Great Iron Beauties. All right, if you guys haven't gone to monkeyknifefight.com, you can play NBA, NHL, MLB, and more major sports. Play more or less. That's my favorite platform. You can play any other platform there. Uh, free dollar, uh, five dollar play. Free five dollar play up to a match of hundred dollar match. Go to MikeyNightFive.com, use code NJF in the States. If you don't have a Mikey Knife in your state, please share our post and get everybody going. It helps support our podcast, keeps us uh, going week to week to bring awareness to women's tackle football. It's a fun way for you to make uh, triple your money. So if you put in $5 and you guess both matchups in any of those major sports uh, in terms of whatever platform you use, sometimes you can win up to three times your money. So $5 turns into $15. Uh, you put in $100, you can t- make almost a $300. So it's an easy easy way to make some quick dough if your intuition is really good with sports. So check it out, monkeyknife5.com. Use code NJF to get started today. And we're going to be diving into, right now, the LFA Feminina. So let me pull that up for us here and get started on it so that we can um, go from there. So let me get the results here for week seven. Uh, Week seven results, it was the um, Las Rosas Black Demons, 43-18 against uh, Osas Rivas. It was the uh, Saragossa Hurricanes falling to the Barbera Rookies in a route. The Rookies 62-7. to uh, Barcelona 48-21. They took care of the Badadona Drax. Uh, the Malaga Corsiers 38. They, they fall 52-38 to Tres Contos Habados. Tres Contos Habados have been really uh, impressive the last two weeks. They've really made a, a really good effort to try to, you know, get themselves in a good uh 
situation for the playoffs. Unfortunately, it's a little too late for them. And that was one of the things that um, kind of set them back. But overall, they uh, they did play a really good second half. Um, they just were not able to get to that next stage um, in terms of the playoffs. So we're going to dive into uh, the playoffs. Uh, you can go get the lowdown right there at the hub at facebook.com forward slash Grand Beauties. Thanks courtesy to FIFA.es. And that's uh, really, really impressive. So uh, week seven of the uh, Women's League uh, pretty much already set in place the conference leaders, which was De La Rosa's Black Demons and the Barbera Rookies. Uh, from Madrid and Catalonia, they added uh, another victory, which sets them up as champions of each conference, the East and the West, which will allow them to play the semifinals at home. So they have home field advantage at this point. Black Demons uh, finished the season at 5-0. and secure the Western Conference Championship by defeating the second place Osas Rivas 43-18 in a match that they dominated from the beginning. Uh, no contest there in the first quarter. Uh, it was a great already. Uh, they went up 13-0. And then thanks to two touchdowns scored by Olga Sol- Soldillo and Alvira Nunez, the Demons further extended their lead in the second quarter with the same two players making a huge contribution. Uh, added a score of to an increased score of 25-0. So the uh, the Bears, uh, who had the at, at injury uh, to Isabella Pelonzi, who was not playing for in the game at this point, um, that was also hindering them. So it was 20, 25 to six after passing through um, the back, back demons dominant. Uh, third third touchdown was by Olga Saltillos, and uh, a play by uh, Miriam Mendez on a quarterback sneak after an interception by Cristina Gomez. It made it thirty seven to six. Before the third quarter closed, another pass from Asunena Munoz to Lisa Payin uh, bought the Rivas closer again, 38-12 to 12 in the second half where Rivas improved on their uh, offensive attack. And in the last quarter, Elvira Nunez added her third TD to round off the victory for the Black Demons, 43-12, and Osas Asuna Munoz QB with one run established the final score, 43-18 to 18 in the last play of the matchup. They managed to close the gap before uh, the break with the pass from Asuna Munoz to Palomas Contreras. But after that, it was just a little too late for them at this point. So uh, you, you're having the champs. So the, the uh, Black Demons are going to be the top dogs in the, con- in the conference for that conference. And so let me just run this by here. There it is. Okay, so it's 43-12. And so it ends up 43-18 in terms of the last play. In the Eastern Conference, Barbera rookies uh, get their first position by adding their fifth victory of the year, 5-0, and against the uh, Zaragoza Hurricanes, who closed the league without a victory, 0-6. Uh, so the Barbera rookies completely routed, clearly routed, 62-7. to Rookies, nine touchdowns were scored by Anna Fernandez, three, Elvis Gerdo, um, three, Sabrina Marquez, two, and Allison Rodriguez, while the only Hurricanes score came in the first quarter via Maria Carrot. Rookies uh, sentenced the game in the fast track at the end of the first quarter. They were already in command 21-7 at the half, 41-7. So morale already sat in there as well. And in the Eastern Conference, Buffalo, the Barcelona Buffaloes beat the Lidador Badalona Drax 48-21 with a balance of uh, only 3-2 in terms of their standing. They maintain a mathematical options of being able to reach uh, the Valencia Firebacks, who are at 4-1, and one, to get into the playoffs. So the challenge for Barcelona, however, will be uh, was very complicated since the last week 
they will have to travel to Bar- uh, Valencia and not only need to the victory, but they would have to win by more than 34 points in the first, uh, in the first uh, you know, because they lost to them in the first week, 56-22. Thus, uh, for a surprise confrontation, Valencia and Barcelona, which will be played on May 9th, the semifinals of the LNFA Femenina uh, pretty much have been decided. So Bar- uh, Valencia, if they win and Barcelona's done, then that's it. The victory of uh, Buffalo is against uh, the Dracros, obviously not an easy one, but they get a good, you know, a good victory and stay in the hunt for a, a potential playoff berth, which I think highly it's going to happen. So we will see what happens on May 9th between the two. Uh, the last matchup of the game was Malaya Coceres against Barbados Tres Cantos in third place in the Western Conference at stake. The victory uh, went to the hands of the Harbadas, who prevailed 30, uh, 52-38 and finished third in the uh, standings 3-3 after starting in a great final sprint of the regular season with three consecutive victories. Malaya Corsairs, who have had a great season on their debut in the uh, LNFA Femenina, uh, it was not a good ending for them, but uh, obviously the good showing for the whole season. Um, so this is kind of disappointing for them. They uh, they were in close games all year, but they just weren't able to come up with some wins at this point. So there you go. Um, the Tres Contos team also uh, added four points to two safeties, and Alicia Martin all scored in the extra point for Caceres. Elizabeth Buzz led the offense with three touchdowns and two-point conversions. Um, Paulina Casara, Abelogues Vasquez, and Violeta Lopez added the other three touchdowns for the Malaga team. So this is uh, where we're at now in terms of the standings. So Barcelona... Uh, needs to win on May 9th. If they win against Valencia, the opportunity could switch where one of the teams is obviously out of the playoffs or Buffalo, uh, Barcelona will be put into the playoffs. So interesting scenarios right there. You can get the article right there at the hub at facebook.com forward slash grand beauties, uh, fifa.es. That's our article right there. Get the lowdown right there at the hub at facebook.com forward slash grand beauties. All right. So it's pretty much covered it all. I think we're really diving into this week. Anticipation for the NFL Draft 2021 coming here on the 20th uh, in, in, in this week. We also have the anticipation of w, WNFC Week 1, WFA Week 1, and we'll be covering a lot of other leagues as well in play, and you can get the lowdown and everything at the hub at facebook.com forward slash Beauties. Hopefully we'll have all our co-hosts back here, uh, Chelsea Alt and Gabby Farrell coming here next week as we talk 371 Week 1, WFA Week 1, WNFC. And we talk X-League, upcoming X-League preview as we get built up to the X-League in the middle of June. We'll also be talking the Icon Women's Football Association Week 3 with the uh, Austin Ravens taking on the RGV Lynx. That's going to be a pretty exciting matchup to to dive into. So if you haven't uh, gone to our shop at the No Joke Football Shop, I don't know what you've been doing. Uh, we got great gifts out there, under $20 for T-shirts, under $30 for hoodies, and under uh, $60 for leggings. So take advantage of our codes up to 25% off on a daily basis. Go to Zazzle.com forward slash Beauties. Support our brand. And if you want to go to the IG page at No Joke Football, the link's there right there. So you can go shopping. Uh, if you're international, you can use your international individual sites. Just go to Zazzle.com and then go right down below to your site. Look up your uh, country code right there and go into your country site going to be cheaper shipping and everything else so really really appreciate everybody purchasing stuff from us i really appreciate it keeps our podcast alive as well and of course monkeyknifefight.com helping us out as well so if you haven't gone to monkey knife fight go to monkey knife fight easy code njf 
uh, get a free dollar, a free five dollar play up to a hundred dollar match. You can play pretty much MLB, NHL, or NBA. All right, for the absent uh, Chelsea Holt, for the absent uh, Gabby Farrell, the Hall of Famer Holly Custis, the salty one Mackenzie Brooks, and the ex-league insider Nate Ward. Oscar Lopez here is saying we'll catch you here at 371. Thanks to Tatiana Blaze and Brian Sweeney for coming in and giving us these uh, anticipation for week one of the WFA. Have a great night, everybody. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.